Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, this morning may the words of my mouth, indeed may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I've often heard that it's said, you can tell a lot about a person by the company that he or she keeps. Often that's given sort of as a warning by parents to their adolescent children as a way of saying, be careful who you associate with. Their bad habits could rub off on you or, or if they're doing something wrong, you could just be found guilty by association. You can tell a lot about Jesus, about God, by the company that he keeps as well. And in Luke's gospel especially, you see a lot because Jesus is forever concerned with the least, the last, and the lost. Luke's gospel even begins by highlighting Jesus's lowly position. He's born in a stable. He sleeps in a food trough. Over and over again in Jesus's ministry, he shows a special concern for the sinner, for the outcast, for the unclean, for the nobody. He welcomed sinners. He ate with tax collectors. He touched lepers. He allowed a prostitute to wash his feet with her tears. His association with sinners made religious people pretty uncomfortable. In the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, the drama from last week, Jesus states his mission as coming to seek out and save the lost. And as he lived, so he also died. As he was crucified, he was still carrying out that same mission. You see, he didn't, he didn't die alone. He died between two criminals. Jesus, the only righteous and sinless human being, had his final conversation with the dying criminal. And it's only in Luke's gospel that this conversation with the criminals is even recorded. All four gospels have him with crucified with two criminals, but Luke records the conversation. What is it that we can learn about Jesus in this conversation and what can we learn about ourselves? Well, as we think about Jesus, we see once again the high importance that he placed on reaching lost people. After all, it is what drove him to the cross so that in his dying he might save the human race from self-destruction, from self-worship, from sin. And that in his resurrection he might save us from death. And if that's what was most important to him, what does that say about us as his followers? What is to be our reaction to those that we call lost, who do not follow Jesus? Do we help them to feel valued and accepted in our conversations? 
Are we willing to associate with people that others might just consider riffraff and show them kindness and compassion? Because that's just what it means to follow Jesus. Would those people be comfortable here in this church? And how would the world change if followers of Jesus around the world actually reached out to those whom we consider lost who are not yet in the faith and showed them love and compassion just because that's what Jesus did. If the least and the last and the lost are that important to Jesus, so important that he died for sinners, how should we respond as his followers? We also learn about human responses as we look at this final conversation that Jesus had with the criminals that were crucified with him. You see, both of the criminals, they both saw the same thing. Even as, as um, he was hanging on the cross, they realized that he, here was one that had claimed to be the Messiah, the King, and they had seen him abused and crucified. They had both seen the cruelty and the hate that had been heaped on Jesus by the crowd, and they had heard him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And yet, the two criminals had very different responses. One of the criminals maintained this hardness of heart, and even as he hung on the cross himself, naked and dying, he somehow sought to validate himself by joining with the crowd to try to make Jesus feel small. When he looked at Jesus, what he saw was a failure, a pitiful, naive person who had called people to love their enemies and to turn the other cheek, and that even though he had claimed to be the Messiah, the king, he refused to fight against the Romans. This criminal was bitter and angry to the end, angry that if, if Jesus wouldn't come, if he was who he said he was, that he wouldn't come off the cross and save himself, and as he said, and us. But there was something else happening in the heart of the other criminal. As he watched and listened to Jesus on the cross, at some point, he stopped hurling the insults, and he even spoke up against the other criminal. Don't you fear God? <laughs> we deserve the punishment that we are getting. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then, and then perhaps just to a little glimmer of faith, maybe faith just the size of a mustard seed, that perhaps God might have mercy even on him, a convicted and dying criminal. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That dying criminal called out to Jesus, and he called him by name, Jesus, remember me. There's a contemporary Christian song by Seventh Time Down called Just Say Jesus. It says, life gets tough and times get hard and it's hard to find the truth in all the lies. 
If you're tired of wondering why your heart isn't healing and nothing feels like home, because you're lost and alone just screaming at the sky, when you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. There is power in the name, the name of Jesus. If the words won't come because you're too afraid to pray, just say Jesus. There's another, maybe more familiar, sort of a classic song by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's Something about that name. Friends, sometimes all we can pray is just Jesus. Remember me. There are two criminals. There are two responses. A response of rejection and disillusionment or faith just, just the size of a mustard seed calling out to Jesus. And the question for us is, which thief will we be? Jesus listened to the second criminal's plea, and he told him, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I've been asked uh, more than once, many times, what is it that happens when we die? Are we with the Lord immediately on death? Or are we in some state of suspension until the final resurrection? Because there are biblical passages that really support both views. And this passage that we read today is one of the ones that that support the more immediate view. What I believe is that upon death, We leave this earth that is bound in chronos or linear time that just goes along the way that we can measure it, and we enter into God's time, the time that has no beginning and no end. And so for the person who dies, the transport is immediate. Even if in linear time, it could be thousands of years. You close your eyes in this world and you open them in the presence of the Lord. An example of what I mean by this is in 2003, many of you know I had a back surgery, a 10 and a half hour back surgery that sort of remade my back due to scoliosis. Um, and in that 10 and a half hour surgery, they straightened my spine and they put 26 screws and two metal rods uh, in my back. Now, for my family, <laughs> Those ten and a half hours were torturous as they waited for me. I closed my eyes when they said, we're going to give you a little something to help you relax in your ID. And I opened them in the recovery room. No time had passed, well, for me. (laughs) So too, our physical death. You close your eyes in this world. You open them in the next. Today, God's today. 
But the time factor, I don't think, is the most important part about what Jesus told this criminal um, with this tiny beginning of faith. He says, you will be with me in paradise. This convicted, death penalty-deserving criminal who showed just the tiniest step of faith, maybe the size of a mustard seed, is welcomed by Jesus into the kingdom of God. You will be with me in paradise. He didn't give him a drill on basic Christian doctrine. He didn't give him this prayer to pray where you make sure you say the right certain words. And he didn't even baptize him. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is important to learn to distinguish sound Christian doctrine from heresy. And repentance and praying for forgiveness in our lives, those are important. And baptism, being marked as a follower of Jesus at whatever age, it's important. But what we see in this scripture is a man who had just turned to Jesus in the moment. And that was enough. This man didn't know Christian doctrine. He hadn't been baptized. But he had faith just the size of a mustard seed, and that was enough for Jesus to say, today, you will be with me in paradise. What amazing grace. As the author of the book, Final Words, writes, you know, we Christians are good at making decisions for God about all those people that we don't think are going to be in heaven. But how many of those people have as much faith and Christian doctrine as the dying thief on the cross did? And who are we to say that Jesus' words to the dying thief on the cross do not reflect the heart with which Jesus, who is the final judge for, before whom we will all stand on judgment day, will judge us. I pray to God that's precisely how he will judge us. Looking beyond all that we've done wrong and setting aside our mis conceptions and our misunderstandings and our faulty theology, he will see that we long to be with him, that we put our trust in him, and that will be enough. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Jesus came, he said, to seek out and to save the lost. That's how he lived. That's how he died. And as his followers, that is our greatest purpose as well. We love all the thems in the world. And we let him judge and save them and us. Perhaps even this morning, you have been living with a heart that is hardened toward Jesus. Perhaps you somehow have bought into the idea that, that you are beyond the grace of God. If so, hear 
Jesus say to the father, forgive him, forgive her. They don't know what they're doing. And pray with me, Jesus, remember me, even me. And then for all of us, let us pray. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want to be with you in paradise. Help me to reach out to love all the thems in the world so that they may see your love through me. Amen.